Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. If we could get somebody to hand out these things. Chris, you, you could do that. Yeah, Richard, yeah, that's cool. There's, there's actually two sets. Yeah, there's two sets. One of them's a scripture set, and the other one's just notes. While they are handing that out, don't start me yet. Thank you, Kevin. You're the man, baby. You are the man. (laughs) Before we get started, let me just say a couple of things I think the Lord is trying to help us with right now. First of all, this is something I believe with all my heart. Are y'all listening? While they pass it out, can you do two things at one time? Can any of the males do two things at one time? We know the females can. Can any of the males do two things at one time? I'm not sure. Okay. Anyway, <clears throat> listen to me as I talk, please. <laughs> Thank you very much. If you will get into the Word of God right now and press through, you're going to be able to study like you've never studied before. I'm telling you, there's, there's something about what God is doing that if you'll get into the Word of God, you're going to be able to have some longevity. You know, where you were before, you got bored in 20 minutes, you're not going to get bored in 20 minutes if you'll just stay with it. I promise you. Today I studied six or seven hours on angels alone and didn't get bored that's very unlike me i got to do something i was sitting still I, you know i was just like ah i got to move i didn't have to do that I'm telling you there's an anointing to know the word of god like never before right now if you'll get in it he's going to bless you commit to that tonight the other thing i just want to talk about real quickly is <coughs> When we do services on Sunday as well as Wednesday night, we have this expectation that the Spirit of God is really going to do something. It's going to really move in, in people's lives. And this is a very small sanctuary, and it's hard for me to, to stay focused with a lot of movement. And one of the things that, that we've got to be aware of is that Satan's strategy is going to be distraction. So if I seem frustrated, I'm not frustrated as a person. I'm frustrated at distraction because I know the Lord wants to get something across. And so I would ask your cooperation. Be totally aware of distraction and try not to move. If we have to go pee, just stay outside and watch it on the television instead of coming back in. You know, all, all the distraction messes with what the Spirit of God wants to do. And we need to be aware of that. When I was in Israel, what they would do is the, 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 um, they, had, they paid these women to walk between our instructor and the crowd that was around them trying to learn the things about Jerusalem and the Temple Mount. And they would systematically just have a woman walk in between the guide and the crowd. And they paid these guys to do that. 
and they would time it out so that it, just every now and again somebody would walk between them just to bring distraction. And uh, that's the enemy's tool. So be aware that it's not an individual. It is the enemy's tactic to keep from the Holy Spirit getting accomplished what he wants to accomplish that week. Are y'all with me? And be praying about that. Be, be praying about that as we, as we go. Now, <clears throat> now, this Sunday, it's going to be the best message that's ever been preached at this church. I'm, I'm prophetically proclaiming that, believing that the communicator can actually get out what the Lord is revealing to him. I have been getting this week a totally different download. And he's, he's basically said this to me, you've had it all wrong. You've had it all wrong. You've been going about this the wrong way. And let me just give you a couple of things. If you have a Spirit-filled life Bible, there are 10 different eschatological, eschatological, yeah, that word there. Eschatology is the study of end times. There are 10 different approaches to end times in that Bible that are given. Only three of them believe that the church is part of the advancement of the kingdom of God. The other seven believe the church doesn't have any responsibility in bringing the kingdom of heaven. It's an interesting thought. And so I believe very much that we are part of and vital to bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth until Christ's return. The church is. So here's what the Lord showed me. Just, and I'm, I'm going to give you just a tad to make you really want to come and bring somebody on Sunday. <laughs> Galatians chapter 5, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. It talks about the fruit of the flesh, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, all, all those things. And then the fruit of the flesh is this bunch of junk. You know, it's just, it's ugly. Well, I, I've really got to study in the whole idea of flesh. And that word for flesh means the unrenewed person. The person that's never been born again. The fruit of the person who's never been born again is this. It's not talking about a believer. It's talking about an unbeliever. And then it says that, in another word, Greek word for the word flesh, later on says this, if you're walking in this, you're walking in being driven by the sinful nature. And it says about those people that the Spirit of God doesn't live in them, says it in Romans chapter 8. So it's an interesting context. So here's the point I want you to get, that we're not fighting the flesh. That's where I've had it all wrong. Because in Romans chapter 6, which is what we're going to study, you go study this when you get home. Then we're going to do angels tonight. But you go study this when we get home. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about this. This is really good. Your flesh and the old man is dead, 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 dead. Your, your old man is dead. So why are you fighting a dead man? You cannot fight a dead man. It's interesting, is it not? 
And so the reason I wanted to bring you that is because that's what we're going to talk about Sunday. Tonight we're going to talk about angels, and we're also going to talk about fallen angels. And the reason I want to bring those two together is this. It's because everything that happens to a believer is spiritual warfare. In other words, there's this angelic host, this falling angelic being who is trying to convince you to resurrect the dead man. It's all spiritual warfare. It's all about the whisperer, the liar, the father of lies, whispering in your ears, trying to get you to respond like the man who is dead. Amen? Y'all tracking with me? This is going to be good. Sunday's going to be good. Tonight, we're going to study about angels, including fallen angels, and we're going to pick up where we left off last week. So, what are angels like? Do they really have wings is the question we're going to answer tonight. Everybody got, a, everybody got notes, right? Now, all these notes, if you study these notes, you're looking at four hours of study, I'm pretty, pretty sure. So this ought to keep you busy if you want to study angels. But angels are spirits. Angels are spirits. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14 says, they, uh, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? Uh, Jesus says in Luke 24, 39, that he is... He is not a spirit. He's not a ghost. You remember, he goes into the upper room. They go, ah, it's a ghost. And he goes, no, a ghost doesn't have flesh and bone. A spirit doesn't have flesh and bone. And so the angelic being is not made of flesh and bone. Angels cannot, can, but they can take on the appearance of man. Even though they don't have flesh and bone, they can take on the appearance of man. They do that in Daniel chapter 8. They do that in Daniel chapter 10. In both cases, at Sodom, uh, they also show up in Genesis and take on that appearance of man. They are not forgetful to entertain strangers. It says, don't be forgetful to entertain strangers. For some might be entertaining angels unaware. I can remember, I might have told you all this story if I did. I'm going to tell it to you again. Uh, I remember a time when I was uh, in college or just after college that I was driving when I shouldn't have been driving. <laughs> and I felt an angelic. I felt like somebody was in the car with me. And I wasn't saved. I didn't know the Lord. And I can remember looking in my rearview mirror because it, there was a presence in my car. And I was like, Shoo. and I, <laughs> I was trying to catch it. I felt like if I moved fast enough, I could see it. <laughs> that tells you, that gives you an example of the, okay, why well, I shouldn't have been driving. But anyway, <laughs> I would even turn around real quick to see if I could catch it. And I felt down in the floorboard behind that seat. That's how strong the presence was. Anybody ever felt the presence of the Lord like that? Just a strong, or the angelic being, your guardian angel that is guarding. It, 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 sometimes it is, 
It's there. Now, here's the deal for, for you and I. As we learn about angels, what we need to recognize is we probably could have more encounters or more awareness of those kind of things the more in touch with spiritual things we become. I was told by somebody last week that she had a, she, she, she said, I had a birthday party and it had happy birthday, we love you, or something on this balloon, and that it had died, the balloon had died, and it was underneath the seat. And, and, and her and her husband were arguing, and they weren't treating each other very well, and uh, they were on the phone and yeah, yeah, and at one another or something like that. I don't know the full extent of the story, but the important part of the story is at some point she felt like the Lord wanted, uh, there was some reconciliation going along. The Lord seemed like he was coming in that relationship, and she said before she knew it, that balloon was full of air and riding in the cockpit beside her. <laughs> and she, she gave credit to an angelic being. She said, well, tell me how else a, a balloon that was deflated underneath the back seat got full of air in the passenger seat. Now, you can say, that's crazy, and I would agree with you. That's totally crazy. <laughs> but if we'll look at what Scripture says, oftentimes it doesn't look normal. It's just not normal. So we know that we entertain angels and we're unaware. Angels have come in the appearance of men and been received by men of God as guests in their home. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1 through 2, it says, Let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. That's kind of a scary thought, isn't it? You might entertain an angel and not be aware. Genesis chapter 18, verse 2 through 6, and and uh, chapter 19, verse 1 through 3 also talks about these angelic spirit, uh, spirits and entertaining them and, and, and them coming in the likeness of men there even. Scripture describes cherubim and seraphim as having wings. Now, one of the things that you have to see about cherubim, and fer that, that is actually ranking angels. And so angels are actually ranked in heaven. Isn't that interesting? Cherubim aren't as highly ranked as seraphim, from what I can gather. And there, there are as many as five different rankings of angelic beings. But these cherubim and these seraphim are described in Exodus, Chronicles, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Revelation. You can look up all these places and find the reference to cherubim and, and seraphim. So when seen in their glory, angels may have a special brightness upon them. We see that in Daniel chapter 10, Matthew chapter 28, Luke chapter 24, Acts chapter 1 and chapter 10. All those places, the, the angels, the angelic beings are a little bit illuminated. And so there's a reference to that, that you can see, you can see that. I've never seen it. I've never seen it. I'm praying I don't die before I see it. I want to see it. 
You want to see it? I want to see it. You know, one, one thing I think that keeps us from seeing it is an, is an absence of belief that theologically we can see them, a way of thinking about God and the things of God that we really can see them. We, 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 we think it's all, all cool, but, but we really don't believe that that's the case. But they're everywhere, and there are cases in Scripture all over the place where they actually can be spotted by certain illumination. Angels have superhuman strength. There are many occasions, even give you an example that everybody's familiar with in Scripture. You remember the angelic beings rolled away the stone? They put the stone in front of the, uh, front of the tomb so that, so that nobody could move it. And then they put the seal so that everybody would be scared to move it, and even they could move it, even they had an army to move it, but the angels just rolled it out of the way. And there are many places where they have supernatural strength in Genesis, in Psalms, in Matthew, in Acts, in 2 Thessalonians, in 2 Peter, and in Revelation, angelic beings show supernatural strength or supernatural ability. They also, uh, there was also a group of angels that remained faithful to God after the downfall of Satan and they are obedient to his commands. And so angelic beings that stayed loyal to God after the downfall of Satan, they, they not only have supernatural strength, but they are obedient to God's commands. We see that in Psalms 103, Luke 7 and 8. Angels have at times been fearful to look upon. In other words, they've been pretty intimidating creatures at times. When, when people faced angelic beings, they were fearful. In almost every circumstance, they fell on their faith and they were scared to death, even though they recognized them and even though they might have been in the likeness of men. Sometimes they were large. They weren't small. And for people who have seen angelic beings, there is a description oftentimes of very large beings. Let me tell you a story real quickly before we get into this next one, which I'm going to spend a little bit of time on. I went through that real quick. We're going to spend a little bit of time on the fallen angels. But I had a, a guy, I, I went hiking on the Appalachian Trail between December 25th and January 1st one year. And when we went up there, it was really, really harsh weather conditions. It was, it was overcast, extremely overcast, and it was below freezing, but the cloud cover was low, and, and, the, and the sky was warm, and so it was thundering and lightning and snowing. It, and it was really, really strange. And when we got to the place where we were going to camp at night, you know, they have those wooden shelters that you can get in. We went into the, one of those wooden shelters, and we were in there. And in the midst of that, it was snowing and raining, snowing and raining, snowing and raining. It was back and forth. It was dull. And these young people that were probably uh, 20-ish, about five of them came down with hypothermia. And we actually, the guy I was with was a very well-trained uh, guy that saved their life, really, as, as they were in hypothermia. And then and later on, this, about two in the morning, this other guy comes flying in that's hiking the whole Appalachian Trail. Started in, in the north and was working his way south and was all the way down to uh, North Carolina, by January. So he's gone from Maine to North Carolina uh, starting in the summer. And when he got there, he had had a spiritual experience. 
And this is what he said. This was his story. His story was this, that his mom and daddy were professors at college, and they were agnostic. And he had always been raised agnostic, but for some reasons there was something in him that said there was something truth about spirituality. And so he was going on a spiritual journey from Maine to, where's it in, Georgia? Georgia? So from Maine to Georgia, he's going to have this, and he's looking for this spiritual experience. And so he's hiking, hiking, and hiking, and he's having all these beautiful encounters with nature, and, 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 and he's talking uh, out loud, and he's having these spiritual thoughts, and, and he felt this presence join him. And he started getting freaked out with his presence, and he'd walk all day, and that presence would be there, and he'd walk all night, in that, or sleep all night, and that presence would be there. And finally, he asked the question out loud. He said, who are you and what you want? <laughs> and he said he got an audible response that said, Jesus, to answer your question. And he committed himself to Christ on the trail without anybody ever witnessing to him, went and purchased a New Testament. And by the time he got to North Carolina, that thing was ate up. You know why? He had an encounter with Christ on the Appalachian Trail that changed his life. We've even had email contacts uh, occasionally with, with this guy. The point I'm trying to make is this guy felt a presence that he could not see for two or three days before he asked the question, who are you? And then he got an audible answer that he was not expecting. First of all, he, wasn't, he didn't really expect an audible answer. And then, he, this is what he said, I did not want the answer to be Jesus. Anybody but Jesus was his response. But he never saw him. He just knew he was there, and he heard him. Interesting, is it not? To the point where he was changed forever. Invisible realm is incredibly real. So, so we see that there are angelic beings, and they're, they're there to do the work. The ones who stayed in heaven are there to do the will of God. But what I really want to look at tonight, and what we're going to do is we're going to delve in to all of I'm going to show you some things in this that you really need to be aware of so that you can have understanding that's going to go along with the whole idea that everything that you face is a spiritual warfare game. In, in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, you know, you got to pull on the whole armor of God so that you can withstand the schemes or the wiles or the, or the, or the plans of the devil to get you off track right? You, you put on that armor because the devil's coming at you. He came at Jesus. If you'll look at the life of Christ, when he went to the desert, he was led to the desert by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I love what Don Potter said. It was the devil that took him to the top of the church. That's good right there. The Holy Spirit led him to the desert. 
This is what the devil says. He tempts Jesus three different times on three different occasions, gave it three shots, and it says, the devil says to himself that I'm going to leave him now, basically. This is Alex. This is translation. I'm going to leave him now, and I'm going to find a better time that I can come back. It's not Jesus' last encounter with Satan. Satan is looking for times and places that he's going to be able to try to come at Jesus to get him off track, get him outside of the will of God. And so let's discover what the Bible says about angels. From where did the fallen angels come from, and, uh, and what does the Bible say about them? And did God create evil? So let's answer that first question. First, all angels were created good and holy. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, basically God had created all things, including mankind, and he said that he, everything that he looked upon everything that he had, had created, and he said, this is very good. So everything God created was good. In fact, Lucifer and Satan... And all of Satan's followers once were in heaven. They once were in heaven. Let's look at Isaiah 14, 12 through 14. I think we've got that to go up. Do we have that? Yeah. We're going to really get into, you're going to, this is good stuff for you, I hope. I hope you like it. How you are fallen from heaven. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. In some translations, that is translated day star. O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high God. And God said, nah. <laughs> Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 13 through 15. Listen to this. It says, you were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. I love this picture. The Sardis topaz and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the turquoise and the emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you created till iniquity was found in you. That scripture is in reference to Satan. So if you think Satan's ugly, you are misinterpreting scripture. You, you've got a wrong image of Satan. He is gorgeous. He was God was proud of his beautiful creation. He was, the, he was the, the, one of the highest ranked angels in heaven. 
until iniquity was found in him. And in Luke chapter 10, verse 18, it says this, And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And so we see that the work of the cross and everything that's going on here has power over Satan and all the authority of Satan and all those who go with Satan. Now, if you look at serpents and scorpions, if you study that out, what you'll find is that that's rankings of angels, demonic angels, that, that is most likely believed to be a reference to that. And so they have fallen from heaven. They've been kicked out of heaven. Why? Because there was iniquity found in them. Revelation chapter 12, verse 8 and 9 says this, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. Who's that? Satan and his cohorts. So the great dragon was cast down, and the serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And so there's a, there's a whole third of the angelic host, the created beings of God, they were created by God. They were cast out on the earth who have, were given dominion over the earth. How were they given dominion? Golly, I'm not, it's not in my notes, but i got to tell it. How, i got to remind you, how were they given dominion? Adam and Eve, Adam gave them dominion. He is the one that gave them dominion. He gave them the keys, and they became the prince and the power of the air. They are the king, the prince of the, of the world. That is their status. Now, what Jesus did was he took dominion back, he took the kingdom back, and he gave the keys to the kingdom to the church. But he had to take them back because they were Satan's, right, and all his cohorts. And so you have to understand that you've got Two-thirds of the angelic forces that are, are fighting with the church to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth, to reestablish what was stolen and taken by God. And Jesus Christ paid the price on the cross to empower the church to take dominion back on earth. And there's a third of the angelic beings that are trying to keep that from being done. How are they going to do that? Are they going to be able to fool hellish forces? No. The only ones that play fool to hellish forces are the church. Then there's two reasons. Number one, that you're totally unaware of the battle you're in. Number two, you don't know who you are in Christ, nor do you know what your responsibility is to bring dominion back or bring the kingdom to the earth. And when we discover those things, which we're going to begin to walk down that road again on Sunday, we're going to see that it's angelic forces and the church that establish the domain. And what do they push back? The devil and his forces. 
that were cast down to the earth, that were given dominion over the earth by Adam, that Jesus took back at the cross when he put everything underneath his feet and sat down at the right hand of God, handed the keys to the church, and said, reestablish dominion, reestablish the kingdom. If I could go through, which I'm not going to have time Sunday, probably the next, I'm going to show you how many times Jesus commanded the church to bring the kingdom of God to earth. But there's a war going on, and it's not against your flesh. It's against spirits and principalities in heavenly places that are trying to get you to resurrect your old man if you're saved instead of living a life that is filled with God because you have everything in your power to live a life of godliness because it was provided at the cross. Amen? Is that good? And so, the fact is that Lucifer and his followers once were in heaven, and now they're not. However, they, it says in Scripture, did not keep their first estate or their principality, their place. They left their own inhabitation. They rebelled against God, and a war in heaven resulted. Look with me, if you would. At Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 13, it's pointed out there. We just read that just a minute ago. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 through 10. I'm going to read this whole thing because it's so good. I just couldn't stop just to bank my point. I had to just keep on going because <laughs> it's so good. 2 Peter says this, chapter 2, verse 4. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and deliver them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked for for that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. If he did all that, then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment, and especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise, and those that despise authority, they are presumptuous and self-willed people. They are not even afraid to speak evil against dignitaries. Did y'all hear that? Do you hear the world? Nobody's scared. Nobody's scared. There's been an unleashing of the demonic that I've never seen. And you better be aware of it. I don't care what your politics is. Y'all know that. Y'all know that about me. I, I, it doesn't matter. I, I'm not talking about politics. I'm not talking about policy. I'm talking about the unleashing of hellish forces 
that are attacking and not honoring, that, that have attributes that are contrary to godliness and holiness. No matter which side, there's just unleashing of it that it's like, I mean, it's taken over. I mean, even in Congress, they're saying, we're going to lose this thing. We're going to lose control of this thing if we don't straighten up the way we're treating each other. And it's prophesied in Scripture, what's it motivated by? It's not flesh and blood. It's not policy. It's powers and principalities and spirits in heavenly places that have got us so off track we don't even know it. In verse 7 in Revelation 12, it says, A war broke out in heaven. Y'all just hear that? A war broke out in heaven. And Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But they did not prevail, nor was their place found in them for heaven any longer. That's when it goes into 8 and 9. But 7 says that, that Satan was so rebellious and had this idea of taking over God that a war broke out against God. And Michael and Gabriel and angelic forces are still in this fierce fight with hellish forces. And the church is to join them, to take authority. You have been given authority over hellish forces. And let me just tell you this. Watch, watch this and how important it is. Daggone it, I'm out of time. Listen, if you have the idea, for example, that if you just get saved, I'm saved, and, and I, all I'm going to do is I'm going to wait around here on earth, and man, I can't wait till Jesus gets back because all hell is breaking loose down here, and I can't stop it. I ain't got no power to stop it. Jesus died on the cross, so I won't burn in hell, and I, all I got to do is sit here and wait until he comes back. And I'm powerless and useless. And Lord, come quickly, Lord Jesus, because I'm getting my butt whipped. That's the position and the attitude of the most of the church. Versus this whole idea that there's a two-thirds of the angelic forces trying to push hell back, waiting on the church to begin to appropriate what was done at the cross of Calvary, join heaven, begin to push hell back, bring it to a place where it has no authority. It says that Jesus embarrassed them, those forces. And not only do they not have any power over you, they don't have any dominion over you. You have dominion and power and authority over them. And we've got to begin to walk in that authority. How do you do that? Well, you've got to know the word. You've got to begin to take it back with the word through relationship with the spirit so that you can get instruction from the Holy Spirit based on the word of God to begin to take dominion back. Do you know that Jesus didn't do a thing till he heard the Father speak? He didn't do a thing till he see, saw the Father doing it, and he joined the Father. The same is true for two-thirds of the angelic beings. 
They aren't doing anything until they get a command from God. And when they get that command from God, you don't tell them what to do. You beckon the Father. The Father gives instruction on your behalf. You join with them with the Father's instructions to them and the Father's instructions to you. If you look in Scripture, all the time when there's hellish war going on, there's an instruction to the people of God, and when they show up on the scene, oftentimes the angelic beings have already done all the work. But all they did is begin to worship the Lord, begin to push back hell with worship. When they obeyed Him, they came on the scene, and the victory was all they won because God has the victory. He's got the same in our lives. We just got to know what our place is and, and take our place in the fight. But you've got to know that if you think you're this weak, depraved, fleshly, sinful being, then you, you aren't taking up your ability to even do battle in hell. You're a son of the Most High God. You are a priest to God. You are a minister to God. You are anointed by God. You, you have authority given to you by Jesus. You're a son, a daughter. You carry a seal. What's bound, what you bind on earth Son of me, and we just sit back. Woe is me! Oh, I can't wait till this life's over. It's you know, it just sucks worse every day. I'm just defeated. Satan's got me. We hear it all the time, don't we? That ain't kingdom. I like that. They are wise. Angels are. Uh, no, I'm skipping. <laughs> so they gave up their place in heaven. The spiritual warfare is still taking place between those two powers, the light and darkness. You can see that in Daniel. You can see it in Ephesians. Stand against the schemes of the devil. We've got to put on the full armor of God because the schemes are happening. In the end, Satan and his angels will be cast into the lake of fire forever. That's in the end. That is after we take dominion. After we push hell back until they're defeated, Jesus comes back, boom. Matthew chapter 25, verse 41, you can see it. Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. So what about angels? What place or rank do they have in creation? Angels are not greater than man. You need to know that. You're going to judge angels. The Bible says you're going to judge angels. They're not greater than you. They're ministering servants of the elect of God. That's what they are, Psalms, Hebrews. And they, they will be judged by you. Man was created a higher order than angels. So we're, we, we are uh, in a higher order, as far as God's concerned, than angelic beings. There are different ranks. Do you know, let me just say this. Do you know that Jesus loves you so much and so differently than he does angels? And you're created in his image and they're not? But you're loved so much that he died for you, that you were worth it. So you don't ever think of yourself as not worth it. You're going to hear me say that over and over again. Well, I just, you know, I'm not worth it. You are worth it. 
You are worthy. Say that. I am. I am. I am worthy. Why? Because God thought you were. Why? Because he created you in his image. He loved you. He wanted you to spend eternity with him. Angelic hosts who have fallen have sinned one time. Do not have the ability to be reinstated and reconciled to God. Only you and me. Isn't that cool? So if you want to know what your state is before God, it's pretty high because you're the only thing that's going to be reinstated after it fell. That and the world. But the world didn't fall. You fell. We fell. Adam fell. So the world suffered the fall of Adam. And you know what? This is what Scripture says in Romans 8. It says this. The whole world is waiting for you to acknowledge the fact that you're the sons of God. When you acknowledge the fact that you are the sons of God and begin to restore the kingdom, it says they're they're moaning and groaning and there's birth pains even happening, waiting, anticipating what it's going to be like to be restored. The earth is thinking that about you. And unless we realize who we are, that's never going to happen. So the earth, all creation is waiting for you to accept your identity as sons of God. Hallelujah. We're created higher. There are different kinds and ranks of angels. The Bible mentions two Different types of archangels, Michael and Gabriel, are are two different types, Daniel and Jude and Revelation, and Daniel and Luke for Gabriel. Angels are subject to God. Jesus Christ, who has uh, gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers have been made subject to him, subject to Christ. They are wise, but they're not omniscient. That means they are not all-knowing. They don't know everything. They can't read your mind. They don't know your heart. They don't know what you're going to do next. They don't know any of those things. They're they're wise, but they're not God. God gives them instruction. They are immortal, but they're created beings. They are strong, but they're not omnipotent. They're not omnipowerful. Daniel chapter 10, verse 13. They're strong but not omnipotent. They are not to be worshipped, and they do not accept sacrifices. God said that no man could see him and still live, but we could see angels and not die. There's a lot of scripture that, but this is what we need to recognize as we have a desire to see more spiritual things. It's good to recognize the significance of angelic ministry, but too much emphasis upon the service, their service to man is not, not, not you shouldn't desire that. You, you need to understand that this is going on, but you shouldn't, you shouldn't be like enthralled by it. It shouldn't become angelic worship. That's not what God intended whatsoever. But to, to be, to stick your head in the sand and act like it doesn't exist is, is, is not getting in the war like you could. Does that make sense? We're we're on the same team. 
And when you read some of the stuff in the notes, if you do that, there are some incredible stories in Ezekiel. If you read those stories in Ezekiel, you'll be blown away. They are blow-your-mind stories of angelic beings and how they interact with man. Is that cool stuff? Yes. So you've got those worksheets. So there's two things you can do. You can test the teacher, and you can discover there's six or seven hours worth of study on angels if you so desire to get a full understanding of what that is. Amen? Amen. Please be expectant Sunday. Be prayerful that God would reveal to us, know this, know this. Can look, look your pastor in your eye and see, see the love that he has for you. I, I'm really anticipating, and I really do anticipate incredible growth in our congregation of believers this year. That God is going to reveal to us more about spiritual things than he ever has. It's going to be it's going to be wow, 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 accelerated, accelerated, accelerated. And it's going to be fun. And we're going to get changed some more. I think at an exponential rate than we have in the past. But you your only your only requirement is to love God. And desire him. Value him. And he's wanting to be found bad because there's all hell's breaking loose. And he needs people to go to work. How do you go to work? Well, you've got to know what to pray. And when you don't know what to pray, the Spirit will intercede. He needs people praying in the Spirit. He needs people praying the Word of God. And then he needs people doing the word. Our nation needs people doing the word. Facebook Christians that actually honor one another. Thanks for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.